Well, in typical God fashion, I didn't realize when the idea for this message was first birth, how appropriate it would be for us today. And getting to pray with Austin and Lily Sterling yesterday um, is one of those true outworkings of getting to carry each other's burdens through times of change, which is what our topic is going to be this morning. So we'll have some lighthearted moments. We'll also have some digging deep moments. But I am truly excited, and it is an honor, as always, to get to open the word for you. And can I just say, I love Eagle Church. I've been here a little over two years, and I can honestly say I love this group of people. Now, there is no such thing as a perfect church, so I'm not saying that. But I can say I honestly love this community of disciples. And for me, Eagle has been a place of healing, a place of stretching, and a place of growth. I found a deep depth in relationship with people and with the Lord that is so restorative here, and for that I'm truly grateful. So today is Senior Sunday, and of course it reminds me of my own senior year. I graduated back in 2007, so yes, this year is my 10-year reunion. Yes, I know, I don't look my age. Yes, I'm still single. And no, I don't want to be set up. According to the State Adolescent Health Research Center, ages 18 to 24 are considered one of the least normative stages of life, meaning it's a period of frequent change. These changes include home, family, work, resources, and role. And I relate to that, especially when it comes to family. I, or I experienced a significant shift in my family dynamic when I graduated from high school. I'm going to tell you that story and if you're wondering, I did get permission from about 50% of my family to share this story, so I'm in the clear. I have two younger sisters. The middle one is two years behind me, and we didn't exactly get along in high school. I was generally just apathetic towards her, and she loathed me. Hard to believe. I know. And the loathing was not just limited to me. It was also directed towards mom and dad. And I didn't expect anything to change when I went into college, but a few weeks in, I get a phone call, and imagine my surprise to see her number pop up on the cell phone, pre-smartphone, you know. I answer, we start catching up like everything's fine, so I eventually ask her, is there a reason you're being so nice to me all of a sudden? And I remember her words like it was yesterday. She says, I realize that as much as I hated you, I hate mom and dad more, so let's be friends. And it was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I could just add that to the list of things that changed in 2007. All sorts of changes happening for our seniors today. You know, whether they're going to be going to college soon, a gap year. Maybe they're going directly into the workforce. And people say that some of the most difficult life changes include going to college, moving to a new place, beginning a new job, and getting married. Basically everything that's going to happen the next 10 years. It's really exciting, and I'm full of good news this morning. And then I, I stumbled upon a few short pieces of advice. So here are the top four things that no one tells you about being a grown-up. Number one, your candy consumption will come back to haunt you. There was a reason your parents limited your sugar intake, and you are about to become well acquainted with that reason. Number two, you will feel really tired. This is the kind of tired where sleep is so precious that you would give up an organ for it, but at least a Friday night. Number three, your parents become 
real people. Like when you become an adult, you see them as they are, no more, no less, and it's both terrifying and really cool. And then number four, you can toss out mom's rules for laundry. You know the whole separating whites and darks? Just throw it all together, hope for the best. You will need that time to figure out how to feed yourself. Amen, there we go. (laughs) So yes, change is coming, but change is not limited to high school seniors because none of us are exempt. The parents of our seniors are about to experience a change. Health-related changes are common. Relocating for work, the loss of a job. Some change is positive, some negative, some is unknown. Marriages disintegrate. Maybe we, we make new friends, but then, of course, people pass away. Family members maybe walk away from their faith. So here's the problem. Change frequently and often unexpectedly shakes up our world. And if I am being completely honest, I admit change rocks me. I've had my fair share that has truly shaken me, and that's okay. Change is hard, and we are human. But if you're a disciple of Jesus, then our response to change can look different. As a pastor, I find myself in different pastoral counseling settings. And nine times out of 10, when someone seeks out pastoral care, it's because of change. Some change has been introduced into their lives and they are not sure what to do with it. We all know it's not if change comes, but when. And how we respond reveals a lot about who we are. As disciples of Jesus, we get to have a plan, a strategy. So change is coming, what do we do, and how will we respond? Lord Jesus, you are so worthy. And Lord, you promise in your word that you are with us and you go before us. Lord, this morning we worship you. That worship continues now as we hear a word from you. I ask that the spirit would illumine and that you would transform And that we would take to heart your strategy for us in times of change. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Today, we will be in the book of Hebrews. Now, unlike most New Testament books, Hebrews does not reveal its author, but we do know a few things. We know that he was highly educated. And we also know that he was very familiar with the Old Testament. This makes sense because of the Jewish heritage of the audience. And it was probably given to a house church in or near Rome. Now, these are people who had been walking with Jesus for quite some time. And while this book is amongst the epistles, it's actually a sermon meant to be heard in one sitting. So really, if I wanted to, I could just read you all 13 chapters and call it a day. We would be good. But instead, I'd rather unpack a small portion And here's our first, you know, kind of real moment of the morning. We are not the exact same audience as Hebrews, which means we're gonna be really careful to make sure that as we interpret and apply, it is how God intends. But here's the thing, we do fit this audience. Why? Because we are primarily a people who have received the truth of the gospel, but too often do not live in light of it. And I start with me. We've received that free gift of salvation, but forget that salvation not only alters our eternity, but it alters and reorients our lives now. 
And the gospel is first and foremost for the believer. We often think that we receive the gospel, the good news at the point of salvation, but in reality, we need the good news of Jesus each and every day. And it is because we have good news of Jesus, we have access to the spirit of the living God, and the gospel is therefore something we never move past, never outgrow, and never leave behind because it is the power of God. But I know that that audience for the Hebrews, and maybe this audience, was a little discouraged. Persecution, people falling away, maybe falling away because certain changes were too much. So the writer offers encouragement and a strategy. Turn with me to Hebrews 13. We'll be at verse six. And as always, we invite you to take notes either on the inserts or on the app. If you wanna open to that now, you can follow along. But this is gonna be Hebrews chapter 13, verse six. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Praise be to God. But you know, this whole youth pastor thing means I kind of like some group participation. So we're gonna do something. That's a short passage. We're gonna read it all together. So if you wanna follow up there or in your own copy of God's word, let's read that together again. Hebrews 13, starting at six. So we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their faith. Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. There's a strategy here, and we're gonna draw a few points from it. The strategy goes like this. When change comes, we still have Fill in the blank. When change comes, we still have. So number one, when change comes, we still have confidence. But the we is important. Our culture is famous for individualism. We believe you truly can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, which is impossible, just so we know. And we pride ourselves on being self-reliant. Well, I'm convinced that self-reliance is one of the most effective lies of the enemy in the Western church because at its best, self-reliance robs us of the blessings of community and at its worst, steals any true experience of dependence on God. That is the problem with self-reliance. It flies in the face of the gospel, which begins with, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The gospel starts with Jesus and then continues on through our community, through we. So when change comes, we still have confidence. And confidence is only as reliable as its source. Who here has ever seen The Sound of Music? There you go, come on, show of hands. I'm a little already nervous, but how few of you have seen this movie? It's so good. But I bet it brings back some bad memories for some of you. You know, those VHS tape days, I still remember this. You think the movie's finally over, but mom pulls out the second VHS tape and she's like, who's ready for part two? I see the naughty, you know, exactly. 
Theater has always been one of my, you know, passions. And so there's this very famous song entitled, I Have Confidence, sung by the character Maria Von Trapp. And I want you to go ahead and take a look. I have confidence in sunshine. I have confidence in rain. I have confidence that spring will come again. Besides which you see, I have confidence in me. There we go. <laughs> so did you catch that? I have confidence in sunshine. I have confidence in rain. I have confidence that spring will come again. Besides which you see, I have confidence in me. So you know what I want to do. I want to grab Maria and shake her and say, no, don't put confidence in yourself. But of course, that's what we do. And that's how we raise our kids and it's sending the wrong message. And in fact, I think the wrong message has already been sent, past tense. We raise our kids telling them to have confidence in themselves. And that's okay, but it's not exactly a great recipe for spiritual health. Confidence, only reliable as its source, and we are not reliable. But we, the church, have an unchanging source. That's what we can join in and say, because the Lord. It says my, but it's still within that framework of we. We have confidence because the Lord. And, and we could just stop there. Because the Lord, but praise God, it goes even further. Because the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? I know that change enters our lives in many ways. And the writer of Hebrews picks just one, change that interrupts our lives through others. The church in AD 60 knew fully well that man has some power. There was that threat of persecution. And just real quickly, for us as a local church, we've not yet experienced persecution. Not really. It's a little insulting to the persecuted church around the world to pretend as if we have. But I do think that we all know what it's like to have a person introduce change that is unwelcome. Maybe you've been attacked. Maybe someone cuts you out of their life. Maybe you're like me who have had people walk away because you couldn't live up to their expectations. There's that spectrum of what man can do, what man can change. But we claim this promise, confidently first given in Psalm 118, the Lord is with me, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me, he is my helper. So when change comes, we still have confidence. When change comes, we still have leaders. Now, when I first read this, I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. Verse 7 says, remember your leaders. So I can just tell our graduates, remember us, and it'll help you. But that's not really what it means. The writer actually means dead leaders, right? Like Bruce Willis, Sixth Sense, I see dead leaders. And the reason is because the context implies considering a final outcome of a way of life and how they have finished. Dead leaders of our faith are experiencing an outcome and it is an awesome one because they have eternity with Jesus. So the encouragement we then have from them is inspiration. And not just like warm, fuzzy feeling inspiration, but like where you're actually inspired to do something 
to actually imitate, to actually follow how they lived. Two chapters back in Hebrews 11, there's this hall of fame of faith. And we see tons of examples. Abel, Enoch, Moses, Joseph, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Rahab, and the list goes on. But how does it help us? Because remembering our leaders reminds us that when change comes, we're not alone. Isolation is a tool of the enemy, while relationship is a tool of the triune God. We're not the first to experience change. We're not the first to have tough things happen. And it's hard, of course, but we have leaders, granted not perfect leaders, but leaders who show us how to walk through it. I grew up at a church named First Baptist Church of Downers Grove, and I had the same senior pastor my entire time there. He and his wife were an example worth following. Their lives were worth imitating. And when I was in college, his wife, Bonnie, got liver cancer, an awful, unwelcome change. She battled for over a year before the cancer took her life. But through all of it, she did not waver. She spoke the word. And she claimed the promise of verse six, the Lord is Bonnie's helper. Bonnie will not be afraid. She had confidence that she would meet her savior and I'll never forget her example because of how she finished. As a leader, she inspires me because I remember how she lived and I wanna imitate it. But it's not one of those You know, if Bonnie can face cancer head on, then certainly I can face whatever I'm dealing with. That doesn't work. It's not helpful to compare those things. Assigning those degrees of difficulty to change is only human, it's only natural, but we still tend to focus on our own circumstances. So the comparison only goes so far. Instead, we remember what others have gone through because they point us somewhere. They point us to Jesus, so that leader's example should be one of communing with Christ. And that's why when change comes, we still have our leaders. But maybe you're thinking, and probably rightly so, is there any value in looking to leaders who are still alive? I hope so. I think so. I believe verse seven is a strong affirmation of all of our leaders, we're set up to help the church, but I wanna broaden our notion of leaders. Here at Eagle, we have you know, recognized positions of leadership, be it pastors, worship leaders, ministry leads, interns, shout out to Brad. By the way, Brad's awesome, make sure you talk to him, get to know him this summer. <laughs> but those aren't the only leaders. Within community, a leader is anyone that can say the following from 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Follow me as I follow the example of Christ. Follow me as I follow the example of Christ. Hebrews 13, seven is describing disciples who are that sort, who can say that, follow me as I follow that example of Christ. But can I say that? And then can you say that? If our church is operating in health, then we'll have people 
in our lives who can say that to us and that we want to say that too. That's why I'm so burdened to have lots of leaders in the lives of our students because so many of them feel alone and so many of them walk through difficult change. And if you're older, you know how helpful it was to have someone go before you. Why not do that for someone else? And students, I know sometimes it feels weird to be considered a leader, but you are worth following. We're not raising you up so that you can become the church in 10 years. We're raising you up because you are the church now. Amen? There is room in Hebrews 13, 7 for leaders who are walking alongside of us now as you walk through change. So when change comes, we still have leaders. And lastly, when change comes, Jesus remains the same. Verse eight, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Reminds me of Moody Church. I think I've got a picture that'll come up here. Moody is located on the north side of Chicago. It's a beautiful building, seats thousands of people, very historic. For many years, Pastor Erwin Lutzer was there. You might be familiar with him through the radio or through some of his books. Wonderful man of God. And I still remember the first time that he spoke to me. I'd like to say that it was after one of his sermons and we're discussing the finer points of his exegesis. But no, that wasn't the case. It was a Sunday morning. I was part of the orchestra. So I'm sitting in the back row doing my French horn thing. I'm really revealing to you guys what a nerd I am this morning. But I'm in the back row practicing and all of a sudden I feel a tap on my shoulder and I turn and who do I see but Pastor Lutzer himself and he is a big deal to a Moody student. So my eyes widen wondering what is he gonna say to me next? And he just looks at me and says, can you move your chair? You're sitting on a cable. Yep, that was one of those like, yep, I can do that for you, sir. Good old Moody Church. But the reason I associate Hebrews 38 with Moody is because at the top of the choir loft, at the very front of the church, it reads, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. A reminder every Sunday, no matter what the prior week held, no matter what you walked in with, you see it. And just imagine downtown Chicago, all types of people walking through all types of change, walking in and seeing it declared, proclaimed, and shouted that Jesus Christ is still the same. He is changeless. There's a kind of fancy word for this, immutability. It's a great theological word, but all it really means is unchanging. And when applied to God, to Christ, to the Spirit, it means that he is unchanging. So for the Hebrews, it mattered because they were tempted to think a return to Judaism, which would be a rejection of Jesus, would be easier. Less opposition, less persecution. It was tough to be a Christian then. But that's why the writer had been developing this idea of changeless Jesus the whole sermon. Hebrews 1, 2, he asserts the son's role in creation. And in Hebrews 7, he affirms Jesus' present role as intercessor who intercedes on our behalf. And then he goes on to talk about Jesus as great high priest who becomes our once and for all sacrifice. He has always existed, always been active, and will continue to rule and reign, which was a game changer. 
But for us, Jesus is changeless. So what? Well, when we understand that Jesus remains the same, we understand something powerful about our relationship with him. Changes in human relationships are often some of the most painful. But when it comes to Jesus, who is changeless, our relationship is truly unique. So I'd like to share truth that all stems from verse eight. And I hope that it will speak life to you. Consider that when you experience change, Jesus says, I'll never change my mind about you. When you experience change, consider Jesus says, my love for you will never change. When you experience change, Jesus says, my prayers for you will never change. And when you experience change, Jesus says, the power that I give you will never change. We started off by saying, change rocks people. It throws us. But embracing how Jesus feels about you with the confidence that it will never change is our strategy. Your friends could change, your spouse could change, your health could change, your finances could change. But Jesus remains the same. Seniors, a lot of change is coming your way and not necessarily negative, just change. And it could wreak havoc if you're not prepared for it. Distractions, new friends, greater freedom. And if you've been walking closely with Jesus already, that's awesome. We want you to keep it up. We want you to have a plan and a strategy for when change comes. And maybe you're sitting here though and you're thinking, well, great. I haven't been walking closely with Jesus. So to change that now would just be adding to an already overwhelming list of change. If that's you this morning, then let me just encourage you. We have a gracious God. If there is a time in your life when Jesus felt more real to you than he does now, remember and think back. Jesus is the same as he was then. And oftentimes you'll hear a pastor say, don't live on the past spiritual highs. And I get that. I know what they mean. But then I consider what Israel did when they would build memorials to remember so that when that next season of change comes, that they're ready. So as we graduate a class, the change for them is clear. But many of us are dealing with our own. And maybe the change happened a couple years back and you haven't quite recovered. Or maybe there's impending change and it's just freaking you out. Now, I'm not a fan of like those contrived times of response in the worship service. We've all sat through those. But I also know there's value in kind of acknowledging where I'm at and in making intentional decisions. We make decisions all the time, yes? And for better or for worse, the small decisions that we make always add up to major decisions. So here's what I'd like us to do. I wanna invite everyone to bow their heads and shut their eyes. And I wanna just invite you to make a small decision this morning just between you and God for now. Consider, 
Are you afraid of a change that is coming? Are you afraid of a change that is coming? Or is there a change that happened that is still messing with you? Where you are unsettled? And lastly, perhaps there's a change God is calling you to that you've been resisting. Three different questions, afraid of coming change, change that happened in the past that is lingering and a change that you might be being called to. So without eyes shut and heads bowed, if one of those resonates with you, you're like, yeah, that's me this morning. We're gonna invite you to just stand. Maybe you say, I hate change. It freaks me out to the point that I have trouble trusting God. Or maybe you're angry because an unwelcome change has entered in. And lastly, maybe there's a change that God wants from you. If you're willing to make a small decision to start to deal with that change, I wanna invite you to just stand up where you're at. It's amazing how hard standing up in this sort of setting can be. And this truly isn't for me. We've been praying for you all along. We've actually been praying I remember two months ago when the idea for this message was birthed. So of course, we will continue to pray for you. But this morning, in this moment, as you do business with God, what change do you need to apply this strategy to that we still have confidence, that we still have leaders, and that we still have Jesus who is changeless? There's power in acknowledging where we are at there is power in deciding to embrace the strategy of Jesus, power in the right kind of confidence and power in remembering your leaders. All right, thanks, you can take your seats. And then for the rest of us, we can open our eyes. This application is really just a reminder, it's nothing new. When change comes, Jesus remains the same. So embrace him. And before we sing, it is well in response, which is so in tune to God's heart for us when we walk through change, I'm gonna pray this blessing over us. It's from Hebrews 13. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of that sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Please stand as we sing.